Our study today is entitled, It's Okay. It's okay. What is okay? You know, my, my kids run up to me and they ask me, Daddy, is it okay if I play on the computer? I said, sure, when you finish your homework. Daddy, is it okay if I eat some ice cream? Sure, after you finish your dinner. Daddy, is it okay that my brother punched me? Okay, so sometimes we ask, sometimes we ask, is it okay because we're looking for permission, right? Or sometimes if we've been wronged, we have to look and see, is this okay what happened to me? You know, um, some things in life happen to us and those things, we feel life is so unfair, you know? But we start asking around, is it okay that this bad thing happened to me, you know? And people have a lot of questions. They want to know what is right and what is wrong. What is okay and what is not allowed. Okay? So our study today, It's Okay, our first section is called, It's Okay to Not Always Be Happy. Anybody here not happy today? Wow, that's good. Oh, the guy that's smiling beside his wife holding up his <laughs> If you're not happy today, it's okay. It's okay not to always be happy. You know, sometimes when we go to church, right, and we're amongst other believers, it, it seems as though we have to put on a face. You know, it seems like we have to look, make it look like everything's good in my life. Don't worry. God is good, you know. But you know what, guys? It's okay even if you're not feeling happy today. This isn't a place that you have to fake it. Okay, let's look here at something called the pursuit of happiness. Have you heard of that one, the pursuit of happiness, the movie? <laughs> the pursuit of happiness is a phrase that was coined by Thomas Jefferson in the U.S. Declaration of Independence. It's a fundamental right mentioned in the U.S. Declaration of Independence to freely pursue joy and live in a way that makes you feel happy, as long as you don't do anything illegal or violate the rights of others. A lot of people look at the United States and they say, I wish I could move to America because there, there's this freedom, the American dream. And they encourage you in the Declaration of Independence to go out and try and live your life to make yourself happy. Now we're in Canada, right? but people still live the same way. I want to do everything to try and make myself feel happy. I'm not feeling good today. Let me go shopping, right? I'm hungry right now. Let me binge eat, right? I'm feeling lonely. There's no friends. Let me, you know, consume Netflix because they're my friends, you know? What are the things in your life that you do to try and make yourself feel happy? Ice cream? Anybody else? Jollibee? What? Significant others? <laughs> what else do you do to try and make yourself feel happy? Some people listen to music, shop, watch movies, 
go on dates, make your wife happy. Oh yeah, you make your wife happy, your life a little easier. <laughs> Watch K-pop. <laughs> so we all have our different things that we might do to make ourselves feel happy, right? Some people want to go on vacation. So they'll do whatever it takes. They work, 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 work so that they can go and take that vacation they've always wanted. Some people want to acquire more and make them make it look like they're happy so they get a bigger house, a nicer car, you know, um, good makeup to make yourself look better, you know. Some people like to dress up to make themselves feel happy, right? But on this search for happiness, how, how often does it really satisfy? You know, on Netflix, the show ends, the series ends, and you have to find something else that will keep you feeling happy. All right, all these other things that we do, it's temporary, fleeting happiness that doesn't seem to last. But it says to freely pursue joy and live in a way that makes you feel happy. Right now, we're living in a time where everybody's allowed to just be whoever they want to be, whoever they think they are, and nobody's allowed to say anything about it. You know, we, we talk about this a lot here at Praise Gathering. But some of the things that we're doing to make ourselves feel happy, we have to ask ourselves, does this please the Lord? As Christians, in a pursuit of happiness, we must ask ourselves the question, as I try to make myself happy, is this pleasing the Lord? Because if we're only living to please ourselves, then there's something wrong with that. It's selfish, it's prideful, it denies God, it denies Christ's power in our life, and we're making it all about ourselves. So this pursuit of happiness, let's look at it a little bit more. In Psalm 37, verse 4, it reads, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you know that the Lord knows the desires of your heart? Yeah? Do you pray your desires in your heart? Do you pray it to God and ask him for those things? Does God always give you the desires of your heart? No. Not necessarily. If it's not good for you, why will he give it to you? If you're seeking him, like my kids ask, is it okay if I have gummy worms right now? I'm like, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. No. It's not good for you. I don't want you to have it. Right? We can make our desires known to God. God already knows what's on your heart. But what does it say in this passage? Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you don't delight in God, in knowing him and being in his presence, sitting with him and spending time in his word, are you really delighting in God, meditating on his truths day and night? What does it say here in Psalm 16, verse 11? You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The path of life. Have you ever felt lost in your life? Misdirected? What's my purpose? Where am, where am I supposed to be headed? But it's God that makes known to us the path of life. Life is found in God. Apart from God, there's no life. Right? He is the giver of life. 
It says, you fill me with joy, where? In your presence. So if we're dabbling in things that can't stand up in the presence of God, okay, we're finding our joy or our pursuit of happiness in other things, not in the things of God, right? But if you come to God and you enter in and you press into his presence and you allow his presence to be there with you, whispering his truth to you, revealing who God is to you, then there is a joy that you can have that you never knew how, you never knew how you'd get there. You never knew how you could have this joy. Here's a question. A joyful person, are they always happy? No. A lot of the time, they will go through suffering. They will go through hardship. They will go through things that make them feel very sad at times. Even Jesus, you know, Jesus, he wept when he saw the sisters mourning over their brother, right? Emotions are not a bad thing. Emotions were given to us by God. They help point us in certain directions. Why then, as Christians, do we make it appear as though we always have to look like we got it all together sometimes? Especially around other Christians. Especially around other Christians. We put on the smile, put on a fake face, you know? Because we feel, oh, if it looks like I'm having a hard time, then people will think my faith in God is not very strong. If people think I'm having a hard time, then people will, will look at me and judge me because God's not working in my life. This is the furthest thing from the truth, friends. The furthest thing from the truth. It's in, it's in the church where we should find that healing. When we are broken, when we are angry, when we are sad. You know what? It's in the body of Christ where we can minister to each other. We could serve one another. We could remind each other of the joy and the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Okay? In the presence of God, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. A joy everlasting. A joy that never runs out. If you're not happy, friends, it's okay. We're not going to try and make you say, hey, don't feel bad. Just smile because Jesus loves you. You know, and we try to make the problems go away. What does it say in Romans chapter 8, verse 28? And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Can you be happy even when things do not seem to be working out the way you hoped? It's hard sometimes, right? You can be hopeful or wishful, right? Sometimes it's wishful. I'm asking seriously for you. If things are just not going the way that you had hoped. You came to Canada, you wanted your papers in order, right? And then the government calls you and gives you a letter and says, listen, your time's running out. Oh no, what am I going to do? And you scramble and you're trying to find something, right? Are you happy when things don't seem to be going the way that you hoped? You become anxious. You start to worry. 
you start to doubt. You might get on your knees and start praying to God. God, you know the desires of my heart. Give this to me. Right? But you're not coming to God to find your joy in him. You're coming to God to find happiness in your circumstances. God, if you make these circumstances work in my favor, then I'll be happy. Then I'll praise you. If you do this, then I'll be happy. And we make God work for us. It's okay not to be happy. Sometimes God will let you not be happy. Remember with Lazarus and his sisters? The sisters sent out word to Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Please come quickly. What did Jesus do? He waited. He allowed time to pass, and Lazarus died. Right? He allowed the sisters to feel this immense loss of their brother, Mary and Martha. And when Jesus came and he saw them, Jesus didn't cry because Lazarus died. Jesus saw and he saw Mary and Martha, and he had compassion and pity on them. And because he saw their brokenness, it broke his heart, and he cried. Because he knew that Lazarus was going to be raised. You see, God knows what, what he's doing. Yeah? Do you believe that God knows what he's doing? Can you trust that God is still in control? And even when things don't seem to be going your way, can you trust that he is working all things together for the good of those who love him? Sometimes it's hard to trust it because we still want evidence. We still want to see everything working together. But friends, you may never see it in your lifetime. You can trust him. You can have hope knowing that he is going to do what he says he's doing. But don't curse God today when things don't go the way you're hoping. It's okay not to be happy because God still has something for us. He has lessons to teach us. If you claim to love God, ask yourself if you are happy knowing that he is working all things together for good. Are believers supposed to just get over things without experiencing God's healing? You ever go to a a funeral, you know, and there's somebody and they, they lost their loved one? And they're mourning and they're crying. And you come up and, you know, it's time to go to the front where the body is. And you pay your respects and you greet the family. And you see this person crying. And you feel, I have to say something to this person. And I've heard this one too many times. From many well-meaning Christians, they come up to you, they pat you on the shoulder and say, What do they say? This will pass. Well, they already passed. You know, what are the things that you hear at the funeral? Oh, God has a plan for this too. Is that something the mourning person? This is all part of God's plan. Is that comforting the person that's still mourning? No, and we say all these things... Because we're uncomfortable. Oh no, they're crying. What am I supposed to say to them? You know? We make it about us. There's no compassion for the person. The Bible says, mourn with those who mourn. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. You don't have to try and make each other feel better all the time. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to mourn. As Christians, we are not supposed to just get over it without experiencing God's healing in our life. It's God's healing that helps us get over things. Okay? So when you see somebody hurting, don't rush them to happiness because you're uncomfortable. Remember, it's okay. Mourn with them. Weep with them. Work with them. Be patient. Be loving. Be compassionate. Just as Christ was. Sometimes we might bury our feelings. We put on a fake smile, pretend like everything's fine. We may even feel like we are not allowed to be sad when there's someone that is sadder for us for a better reason. You know, it's like um, you feel bad because your boyfriend said, no, we're not going out for an anniversary this week. What do you mean? Poor me. I want to go. Right? Why didn't you bring me flowers? And you're feeling sorry for yourself. And the only way you cheer yourself up is when you hear bad news about somebody else. I can't believe they lost their job. At least I still have my job. I don't feel so bad anymore. I mean, like, this is what we do. We, we guilt ourselves into saying, I shouldn't feel bad. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't feel bad. God's still working for me. At least my life isn't as bad as that person's life. Because we don't know how to not be happy. Do you ever feel, have you ever been part of a church where you felt like you weren't allowed to be happy? Or, or allowed to be sad? Yeah? You go to church, you're not allowed to be sad. They say, stop worrying. Just trust Jesus more. And they're like, I am trusting Jesus, but I'm still going through a hard time. Right? Well, you're not trusting Jesus enough, they say. You know? People need to know that it's okay. They need to know that they have permission to not always be happy. Let's go to the next one. It's okay to struggle. Anybody struggling in their life today? Sure. Good. It's good to know I'm not alone, you know. Let's look at Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The human heart in its natural state is evil, treacherous, and deceitful. Our mind, emotions, and desires have been tainted by sin. Everybody say tainted by sin. So what you just said, that tainted by sin, that's what's on the inside of you with your heart, your mind, it's all been touched by sin, and we are blind to just how pervasive the problem is. You might have trust issues. You might have control issues. You don't want to trust anybody else. You only trust yourself. If you've ever lived that way, you know it's not a way to live. Because when you're trusting only yourself, you become so much more untrusting of everything around you. 
But friends, remember, if you trust yourself, your heart is deceitful and evil and treacherous, and it will betray you. Okay? If you trust only yourself. Look what it says here in Proverbs 28, verse 26. Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. What do you trust in when you struggle? What do you struggle with? Is it substances, alcohol, drugs? Is it pornography or fantasizing? You might not watch anymore, but you're still fantasizing. Maybe you fantasize about past experiences or what could possibly happen with that person you saw behind the counter that looked so nice in their work uniform. Maybe you struggle with gossip. Who struggles with gossip? <laughs> of course you won't raise your hand. You still want people to trust you. <laughs> and it's not just about spreading the gossip. It's also about listening to the gossip. Okay? Sometimes we have a hungry ear for gossip. Right? And we think, I want to know what's going on. Let me know what's going on. I won't tell anybody, I swear. Because it ends with me, but you know what? It's still a problem. Maybe you struggle with bad attitudes. You know, it's just highly pessimistic all the time, untrusting. You know, it's just um, bad attitudes, greed, laziness, unforgiveness. These are all things that you could struggle with. But half the time, we may not even realize that these things, that these are problems in our life. So we don't struggle with it. Pornography and fantasizing. I'm not hurting anybody else. So this is okay. And we rationalize. And we don't struggle with it because we've accepted it as just being okay. Laziness. Well, I'm not really hurting anybody. I'm just the one sitting on the couch. I don't want to do anything. and just I don't want to help people when they ask. You know, it's just the bad attitudes and the laziness. So we don't struggle because we don't see it as a problem. We only struggle when we see something as a problem, don't we? I don't have enough money. I'm struggling financially. I have had so many bad blind dates. I am struggling romantically. People keep doing bad things to me and I don't like it and I don't like them and I struggle with unforgiveness. No, I really just don't care enough to forgive them. So we don't struggle with unforgiveness. We live with the sin. We embrace the sin instead of doing the right thing, don't we? What do you trust in when you struggle? What does it mean to struggle in the first place? Make violent or forceful effort to get free of restraint or constriction. To be free of sin. That's the struggle. Because sin wants to claim you. Sin wants to hang on to you and push you down. 
And when that's happening, that's when the struggle comes. We realize that it's trying to pull us away from God, so we need to break free from that. But are we struggling with our sin? Or have we gotten cozy with our sin? I know I have a bad relationship with sin, but we've had a lot of fun times together. I don't think I'm ready to let this relationship with my sin go. So we hang on to it like a bad relationship, hoping that we could rekindle some of those old memories. We don't struggle with it. Instead, we embrace it and we live with it. Struggle is not to be confused with suffer. Many of us could be suffering with unforgiveness. We could be suffering with all these things, bad attitudes. We could suffer with doubt. We could suffer with hatred. But if you don't try to escape it, then all you're doing, you're suffering. Okay? What does suffering look like? A person with cancer, they're suffering physically. You know? And you always hear, you can fight this. You can fight this. You could beat this. Right? And we say that to encourage because we can't let the cancer take down your spirit. We can't let it take down your soul. So we try to inspire, to give hope. Because with hope, then you can struggle through the cancer. And sin is like a spiritual cancer. It wants to take you down. It's just waiting for you. I find courage knowing that God is still fighting for us. I find courage knowing I could be weak with God, you know, because God is strong enough to carry me through this. As I struggle, I'm not trusting in myself and my deceitful heart. I'm trusting in God. So it is worth the struggle. Don't give up and give in to sin. It's worth the struggle because, you know, God is fighting for us. And he is going to carry us through whatever storm, whatever trial. He is going to lift you up and you will soar above it all. Because God is with you. It's okay to struggle. It's not okay to sit suffering silently and passively. That's not okay. When you accepted Jesus Christ into your life, we were meant to put on Christ and put on the full armor of God. And what does God call us to do at that point? Stand, he says. Stand. You don't come to Jesus and be like, okay, I accepted Jesus and now I'm going to sit on this pew until he comes back for me. All I want is heaven. All I want is salvation. So I'm just going to sit here and I don't need to struggle anymore. And we believe these lies that even Christians tell. You don't have to struggle with sin anymore. That's a lie. Sin is very present in this world. We will struggle with it. And anybody that feels that they are not struggling with sin anymore, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray that you yourself haven't embraced the sin so much that you cannot tell the difference anymore of what is right and wrong, of what is of God and of the devil. I pray you have not hardened your heart this is big, guys. This is a heavy subject. 
As Christians, we say, don't worry, God's got it all. Don't worry about it. He'll take care of everything. Yeah, it's true. He can do that. Right? But he didn't say, you will be free of struggle. Suffering will come your way. But when that suffering comes, you're going to struggle. You're going to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're going to stand firm against the enemy's attacks against you. You're going to put on that full armor of God. And believe me, friends, it's a struggle. Because when you're standing as part of God's family, when you are part of the body of Christ, all the devil wants to do is take you down. You will struggle. You must struggle. It's more than okay to struggle. If anything, God's commanded it of us. Let's look in John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We always talk about abiding in Christ, remaining in him. Because why? Apart from him, we can do nothing. We can do nothing for God's kingdom apart from Jesus. So when we accept Jesus in our life, we welcome him in and we remain with him. Okay? Any efforts that we try to have apart from Christ, it's worthless. It's futile. And we might feel like we're struggling with something, but we're doing it to ourselves because we're working apart from Christ. Remain in him and he in us because apart from him, we can do nothing. So look at Luke 13, verse 24. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. What's the narrow door? This is Jesus Christ himself. He is the way, right? He is the narrow door. He is the narrow gate. Make every effort to come to Jesus is what it's saying. We are to strive to enter the narrow gate, which is Jesus Christ. We may struggle and strain to enter through the narrow gate. Why? Because of the opposition of human pride, our natural love of sin, and the opposition of Satan and the world in his control. Rather than pursuing happiness here on earth, we ought to be in the pursuit of Eternity, the pursuit of eternity. Sometimes as Christians, we say, well, I've accepted Jesus, I'm good, I'm saved. And we make it just about being saved. But we forget that there's still a work that God is doing in our life. Yes? Do you know God's still working in your life today? Let's look at some common cliches that people use that they live by. Have you heard of this one? Fake it till you make it. Yeah? Especially in the business world. Look big, talk big until you actually get big. Right? Um, fake it till you make it. Sadly, though, we've done this as Christians. We don't realize that these worldly cliches have bled into the church. 
And in the church, we fake it till we make it. Let's look like a good Christian. Let's do Christian things, go to Christian places, and we'll fake it until we actually become that. Is that the way that God works? No, he works from the inside out. He doesn't change your situation around you until you become that. Right? God starts with our identity. Okay? So you can't fake being a believer. You have to believe to be a believer. If you fake being a believer, you're a liar. You're a liar. Right? But when you believe, you know you believe. You know you're not lying to yourself anymore. How about the next one? This is more recent, right? You do you. You do you. Wow, you know, at work, someone comes up, they say, wow, at work, they don't appreciate what I'm doing, and I do everything for them, and I'm all this and that, and they don't appreciate me, and everyone encourages them. Well, you know what? Don't worry about it. You do you, girl. Right? And we encourage and we enable. We encourage and enable a false way of living. We enable bad attitudes. We enable entitlements. You do you. Let's look at some of the Christian cliches. Let go and let God. I'm guilty of using this, you know. And in some cases, yes, it's true. We could say let go and let God. But it doesn't apply to everything, you know. When someone's struggling with their sin, you don't say, oh, well, let go and let God. So then you just passively sit there and hope that it goes away. That there's no more responsibility on your part. No accountability for what you've chosen to hang on to. Ah, just let go and let God. And we say it so loosely because it makes us feel uncomfortable. I don't want to be dealing with your sin right now. Just let go and let God and then, you know, we'll be happy. How about God will not give you more than you can handle? Have you heard that one? Is that biblical? We're not sure? That's okay. It's okay. <laughs> if you're not sure, this is not biblical. Okay? It's often confused with, in the Bible, they talk about temptation. God will not allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. And he promises that he offers a way out of temptation. Right? That's why. He won't give you more, he won't allow you to be tempted more than you could bear. He allows a way of escape from temptation. But we use this, oh, God won't give you more than you could handle. You're such a strong person. You're going through hell right now, but wow, God won't give you more than you could handle. You must have really strong faith. You know how many times I've had people say that to me? I do not find it encouraging at all when I'm in the midst of my suffering. Wow, I can't believe God let you go through all that. Heart surgery, brain tumor, autism diagnosis. Just like, wow, your life just, wow, that sucks. But you have really strong faith. And I'm like, no, I don't. They tell me, but God won't give you more than you could handle. And I'm like, I really cannot handle any of this. God gives us more than we can handle so that we can learn to Trust him 
so we could learn to rely on him and depend on him. Because if we were okay on our own, we would have no need of God. You see that? All these little cliches. To help you not go through your struggle anymore. You see what we do? We use these cliches to let people know, don't worry, it's okay. You could struggle, but get over it quickly because I'm uncomfortable. There's no compassion. There's no love in that. And we just throw out cliches. How about this one? You have a friend who comes to you with the same problem over and over and over again. And maybe you're not the best person to help them because they keep coming back to you and they're still going through the same stuff. And you get fed up with it and you're done. And you're just like, you know what? God helps those who help themselves. Just get over yourself. God helps those who help themselves. Is that something you want to hear if you're struggling? You confess your sin to a brother or sister in the church. And instead of praying for you, they say, oh, well, you know what? God helps those who help themselves. It's a bad attitude that we carry if we judge people that way as well. I'm guilty of that, okay? I don't tell people that, but I have held that idea in my mind before. I hear lots of problems. And there's a temptation for me to go to this place of pride, thinking, well, you know what? God, he's helped me because I've done the work. It's not me that's doing the work in my life, guys. It's the grace of God that is at work in my life. If you're trying to get closer to God in your own effort and you don't believe in him, everything you're doing, it's futile. It won't get you where you want to be. Are you in the pursuit of happiness for being here in this world? Or are you in the pursuit of eternity? In the here and now, <laughs> in the here and now, we must not be complacent and passively wait for better things to come. Yeah? Don't just sit there waiting for better things to come. In the here and now, we can savor every God-soaked moment and know his joy and peace amidst the struggle. The only thing that brings me comfort and encouragement as I struggle with my sin is knowing that I'm not alone, is knowing that God is still working in me and through me to cleanse me, of all that unrighteousness. It's not my work. I'm not the one that needs to get rid of the sin. It's God that's helping flush that out. And I believe, you know what? I have submitted so much of my sin in my life into God's hands. I said, God, take this. I can't bear it. Help me with this. Help me, you know? At one point, I had to stop saying, help me. And I found myself broken before the throne of grace. And I just poured down in front of him. And I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I need you. Save me because I can't do anything to help myself anymore. So you go before God and recognize that his grace is enough to save you as you struggle. It's okay to be vulnerable before God. You don't have to have it together. You don't have to put on your, your Sabbath best and stand before him and say, look what I'm doing for you, God. He loves you right where you are, and he knows your brokenness. He knows your pain. He knows your struggle, and he will not leave you there. 
He promises he will not leave you there. But friends, keep on struggling to escape the presence of sin around you. Keep on struggling as you cling to God because he has promised you a way out of everything that's tempting you today. It's okay to struggle. I can't, but God can. The only thing that brings me that joy in the moment of my struggle is knowing that God is with me and he hasn't given up on me and he's not finished with me yet. Every day I get up, I could choose to grumble and complain that I have to face another day or I could praise God for another day with you, Lord. You're going to continue doing that good work in me that you started. It's okay to struggle. How often do we hear the question, is it okay to doubt? You know, when we're seeking God, when we're seeking God, we always ask this question, is it okay to doubt? Let's look here at our last section. Instead of asking, is it okay to doubt, I want to let you know that it's okay to believe. Because whenever I hear somebody ask that question, is it okay to doubt? It sounds like you're asking for permission to doubt. Just like we want to know if we have permission to be not always happy. Can we have permission to struggle with sin? You know, or do we have to just pretend like we got over the sin already? And instead of asking, is it okay to doubt? I don't want to give you permission to doubt, but I want to let you know it's okay to believe. Why are we so afraid of believing? Believing is a scary thing. Believing in God is a scary thing because it requires us to let go of everything that we've known before, everything that we've we've trusted before, and hang on to him and trust in him. That's a scary thing. Change is scary, isn't it? So instead of asking, is it okay to doubt, change the question yourself and ask, is it okay to believe? Let's look at Judges, chapter 6, verse 13. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about what they said? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. You ever feel like this? You've heard all these wonderful things about God and what he's done in the past. And then you wonder, um, but if the Lord is with us, then why is this happening to us? If the Lord is with me, why are all these bad things happening to me? You know, and we find some sort of an answer here. In John chapter nine, verse three. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Sometimes these bad things that we see as bad things or unfair things in life, why did this happen? Why do my children have autism? I might ask. And I find an answer here in John 9 verse 3. 
it's not because of anything I did. You know, it's not because of the sins of the, the generations before. You know, but sometimes life happens and these things happen so that the works of God might be displayed. Why did I have to have heart disease and go through that bypass? Well, when I came up out of it, guys, guess what? I did nothing to come out of it. But I guarantee you that through that struggle in my life, through that suffering period in my life, I guarantee you God was displayed through that experience. When your faith in God, when your hope is in God, when you learn to trust him, and you allow him to carry you through your circumstances, guess what? You get no glory. All the glory goes to God. God could take so many things that seem broken, and he'll use those broken things in ways people never thought possible. And he elevates the lowly and the least of these so that the world could see that he indeed is God. To help us learn how to believe. When you've gone through a tough experience and you finally trusted God a little bit more, when you come out on the other side of it, don't forget all the good that God has done in your life. Remember the work that God's done in your life. Is he revealing himself to you? Is he revealing himself to the people around you? Your life is your ministry. Question. Do you believe that God loves you? Yes? You believe it? Okay. Even when things go bad, does God still love you? Yes? So why should anything change when things go bad for us? It's okay to know that God loves us. And when we start to go through bad things, we, we try and convince ourselves, yeah, God still loves me, but why is all this happening to me? Right? Sometimes that's how God shapes, changes our attitudes. Yeah, he allows us to be faced with ourselves. Absolutely. Why do bad things happen even to God-fearing people? <laughs> is it God that makes the bad things happen? No. But, you know, in Genesis, you read that story about, uh, what's his name? Joseph. Thank you. We read the story about Joseph in Genesis, and right there at the end, it says, you know what? These things were intended for evil, but God used it for good. So no matter what you feel you've been afflicted with, here's a big one. This is a hard one, because I have a lot of friends that identify as homosexual. I have a lot of, I know a lot of people, you know? And I've heard their stories, and I let them cry with me. And they want to believe in God. And a lot of them do believe in God. But they say, you know what? If God loves me, then why did he make me this way? It's like they can't help it. They, they, it's just their natural inclination, you know? And how do you answer that? I didn't choose to be gay. Who would put this on my life? You know, I didn't choose this, but this is what I'm living with. How do you deal with it? Are you struggling with it? Or do you, do you just go along with it because you're like, well, God made me this way, so I guess I'm just going to go with it? It's hard. It's hard. I still have friends today 
they want to love God, they're still serving him at church. And they try to hide their sexuality issues from from the leadership because they want to serve God and they think a church is the only place to do it, you know. So they fake it and they're still asking the question, can't I be gay and serve God? It's a tough question, right? It's like, could I have permission to still be this? And say that I love God? This is a tough one. I know at least 80% of us here know somebody that is gay. I know at least 80% of us here don't know how to deal with it because we're not sure if it's okay or not. Right? And this is a safe place for us to talk about this because we don't condemn other people. We don't condemn one another if they are struggling with their sin and they want to love the Lord and they are seeking God. I say, by all means, journey with them. Help them struggle through their struggle so that they can know the Lord. And we can't change anybody. We can't change ourselves. But we could bring them to a place where they can know the Lord. And it's only God that could change our hearts on the inside. I am not who I think I am, but I am who God says I am. Yeah? We find our identity in Him, not in who, in what we think we're stuck with. In the, you know what? This is the hand I was dealt with in life. Struggle with that. Guys, if it's opposing God's heart, if the life you're living, and I'm not just talking about sexuality, I'm talking about anything that you're doing, that you're, you're hanging on to, you identify with, and you say, you know what? I'm living with this, and I know it opposes God's heart, but I'm still holding it. In that instance, friend, that's where I say, let go. Let go and embrace God. We can't embrace God fully and love him completely with our whole being if part of our being is still holding on to that which opposes God. You get it? Let go and embrace God. Let's look at this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. This was at Jesus' baptism. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This voice came from heaven. It was loud enough for everybody around there to see Jesus coming up out of the water from his baptism. And these are the words that were spoken, declared openly. God declares his truth. He declared that Jesus was his son at Jesus' baptism for all the people to know. Let's look at what happened just moments later when Jesus was in the wilderness. Matthew 4. Verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Hmm. Sneaky guy. When Jesus was alone in the wilderness and being tempted, we see how Satan twists truth and distorts belief by the use of one single word. 
if, if. You don't need to be playing this game of if. It opens us up to an alternate reality, which, which isn't reality at all. God declares, this is my son. He is the son of God. Even Satan believes that Jesus is the son of God. But he uses that truth and he says, if this is true, prove it. The enemy is going to use the same tactic with us. If God really loves you, why is all this happening to you? If God is really with you and he's fighting for you, why are you still struggling with your sin? Oh, you're weak. God doesn't love you. God's not helping you. You're out on your own. You're not as close to God as you think you are. And he infuses all this thought, this doubt that creeps up in your mind. Is it okay to doubt? Why do you want to doubt when you need to believe? It's okay to believe. I don't want us to take this lightly, friends. This is more than just a study. This is addressing the things that we keep taking so lightly. Why are we afraid to believe in God? What God says is true. And we say, yeah, I believe that what God says is true. But then we don't live that way, believing in his truth. If God loves me, then why did this happen? Change the question. Because God loves me, then why did this happen? God has a reason and a purpose for everything that's going on in your life. Okay? Nothing happens by accident. When bad things happen to you, remember that God loves you. Believe that God loves you. And when you believe, you don't have to doubt. Because there's no room for doubt when you believe. Okay. Believe and know that God has a purpose for this. Yes. And he wants to teach me something. Yes. And he is changing something in your character, in your attitude, in your life. He's transforming you with his word and his truth. Why is God teaching this to me, teaching me this now? Learn your lessons. Because God loves me, then why did this happen? Let's look at 1 Peter 3, verse 15. But in your, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do so with gentleness and respect. Before we could give an answer to anyone that asks for a reason why we have this hope, we have to know, do we have that hope in Jesus first? A lot of the time we teach people, study the Bible and use the Bible to combat anything that people have to say against God. And we don't even know why we believe what we believe. We're just regurgitating things that we learn. This is how you fight somebody that doubts God. But if you yourself are still questioning and doubting God, how could you give an explanation for a hope that you supposedly have? If you don't have the hope in God, what are you preparing yourself for? Debate? Arguments? Intellectual back and forth? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. 
Let's go back to that question of, is doubt okay? I believe before justification, doubt is okay. Because you haven't accepted Jesus yet. So you doubt whether or not this is a real deal. So you start to ask questions. I mean, I think that doubt could be healthy if it leads you to ask questions about, is God really who he says he is? But once you come to that realization that God is who he says he is, and Jesus is my Lord, he is my Savior, I accept him into my life, that's justification. You are made right with God in that moment. Once you've been made right by that, and you say, I believe in Jesus, is it still okay to doubt after justification? Can you say you believe when you're still doubting? Is it okay to doubt in the realm of sanctification? Let's look at this next slide. This is the work of God, and it's in your handouts. I want to break this down. We throw out a lot of big words sometimes in the church, and we don't fully understand it. But we have these three things. This is the work of God. Justification. Okay? This is how he makes us right with him. And this was done at the cross, okay? And we have sanctification. This is what we're living in right now. After you've accepted Jesus, then there's this work that's being done to purify you and make your lives changed and prepared for when God comes again, when Christ comes again. And then we have glorification. When Jesus Christ returns and takes us back to be with him for all eternity, we are transformed into this glory. We get to share in the glory of God. Right? So glorification happens when Jesus Christ comes again. So if you've accepted Jesus and you've been made right with God, that happened at the cross. With justification, we are separated from the penalty of sin. Right? That's what happened at the cross. Jesus paid the price for all of us so we won't have to pay the price of eternal death because he paid the penalty at the cross. So we are separated from the penalty of sin. Nothing you could do, okay, will tear you away from God in that. Justification, you are made right with God, okay? So you are separated from the penalty of sin. Sanctification, this is where we see all the struggling that we're talking about. This is a separating, it's a process. The separating from the power of sin in our life. Don't get this confused. We think that at the cross, that sin has no more power over me. If that were true, none of us would be sinning today. Right? We have to be very clear about this. What happened at the cross, God paid the penalty for sin, and we are separated from that. That has nothing over us anymore. I don't have to face eternal damnation anymore. Sanctification, separated from the power of sin. Does sin still have power over my life? It tries. It tries. And that's why we have to struggle. Okay? Make every effort not to give in to the power of sin. And God helps us with that. 
And then glorification is separation from the presence of sin. See, when Christ comes again, sin is done with forever. Okay? Sin is done with forever. So we will finally be separated from the presence of sin at glorification. Is this clear? Does anybody have any questions? These are very important points. Any questions? You're good. Good. Do you know what you say you believe about God? Why do you hope in God? Be prepared to give an answer to any, everyone who asks you to give a reason. But the question is first, do you believe? It's okay to believe. Believing means you can let go of the doubt. Because all your doubts at this point, friends, it doesn't change anything of the work that God is doing in your life. God is still doing the work in your life. Why do you want to doubt? If you've already accepted Jesus Christ, and you accept everything that he's done for you already, why would you want to doubt? That's like getting married and then choosing not to have this relationship with your spouse. That's like making a commitment and you say, oh, till death do us part. And you're like, I don't trust them. I married a stranger. I don't know this person anymore. You know? What's the point? The same goes for our relationship with God. If you accepted Jesus and everything that he has, why are you going to start doubting him now? It's like you don't believe that what he's done at the cross is enough. Why are you going to start doubting him now? So if you ask me, is it okay to doubt? If you already believe, I'll say no. It's not okay to doubt. Not anymore. Don't use your doubt as an excuse to continue living in your sin. I don't know what else God has to prove to you. He's done everything already to reveal who he is and how he loves us, to prove that he is faithful to his promises. So when we say we believe in God, it means that we believe in his promises. It means that we believe in the work that he's doing. Galatians, before we get to Galatians, we have a few verses on our sidebar. And it reads like this. He who began a good work in you will complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. God is the one who is at work in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. I worked harder than any of them. It was not I, but the grace of God which is in me. And Galatians. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Believing means that we allow God to do his work in us, to prepare us for Christ's return. The sanctification, he's purifying us from all unrighteousness. 
He's separating us from the power of sin in our life. He is making us holy and blameless before God. So when Christ comes again, we could be presented as pure and spotless before God. And we are covered over by the grace of God in that. Are you allowing God to do the work in your life? Allowing him to do this requires faith. And remember, faith is a gift that God has given us. You don't have to do anything. You just have to accept that gift of faith and allow God to start doing that work in your life. Hebrews says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We cannot claim to have faith in God if we don't believe that he exists. We cannot claim to have faith in God if we don't believe that he is faithful to his promises. Friends, whatever you're going through today, whatever you're struggling with, I want you to know that everything is going to be okay. I want you to know it's okay to struggle. It's okay not to be happy. But most of all, it's okay, friends, to believe. Our God will never fail us. He's fighting for you. He'll never let you go. Can you stand with me now?